2: From KQED Public Radio in San Francisco, I'm Michael Krasny. Coming up next on Forum this morning, our election coverage continues with Proposition 20, which would roll back parole and criminal sentencing changes that voters approved back in 2014 and in 2016. But first, the Bay Area is making good strides against the coronavirus pandemic as new cases and hospitalizations fall, which means that officials are allowing more businesses and schools to reopen. We'll talk about the region's progress so far and what's ahead. That's next, after this news. Welcome to this morning's forum. I'm Michael Krasny. As new daily coronavirus cases continue to decline across the state, the Bay Area is slowly but surely getting back in business. Some public elementary schools in Alameda and Marin counties are reopening for in-person learning. Reduced capacity indoor dining is now allowed in San Francisco, and indoor nail and hair salons are open throughout the region. We're going to talk about the Bay Area's progress and the challenges that lie ahead. And joining us is Aaron Alday, health reporter for the San Francisco Chronicle. And welcome, Aaron.
3: Hi, thanks so much for having me.
2: Glad to have you. Uh, Well, this is positive news for a change. And uh, there have been some really good strides. As I said, schools are opening and businesses are opening. I'll say this with fingers crossed and what Kierkegaard would call some fear and trembling. But on the whole, it's looking, well, positive.
3: It is looking positive. Um, you know, I, I think the way we're looking at this is the Bay Area and really California, too, has yet again, you know, flattened the curve um, as it were. We did it once before um, and then we reopened and saw a spike. And now we're showing that, you know, we we can do it again. I think the difference is that, you know, we're now kind of starting to figure out how to walk that line between shutting everything down completely and being wide open and free you know it's just it's such a delicate balancing act frankly um and that's what we're figuring out um with this process so now we're kind of you know trying to figure out how we can how we can live our lives open schools do some going back to business but still be safe and keep those numbers low or at least steady
2: well you're right it is a delicate balance we've had four weeks and we'll touch wood as i say this. no signs yet of a imminent surge. One has to ask, though, about what's happening elsewhere. I mean, there have been upticks uh, in about 22 states, and uh, New York had been pretty open for a while and now has seen an uptick, uh, a big uptick, usually for the most part, I should say, in certain neighborhoods, mainly, in fact, Hasidic neighborhoods. But the the numbers are going up again across the board, really nationwide, aren't they?
3: Yeah, and I think that is definitely something we should be Concerned about. Um, I, I, you're absolutely right. Like the problem, the problem is that California is not an island. So as well as we may do here, um, we're always going to be vulnerable to what's happening in the rest of the country. Which is partly why a lot of folks you um, hear, especially in the Bay Area, are just very frustrated with kind of the national plan, how this is played out on the national level. Because we can do everything right, we can do everything as well as we can here. And it, at the end of the day, I mean, it's not that it doesn't matter. It's just that we're still going to be at risk of those sort of returns, those those, those surges on the horizon if, we're, if we still have uh, cases climbing in other parts of the country. Um, and yeah, and I think New York is what we're seeing there is an example of how, you know, even this this, how, how cautious we need to be in the reopening process. Um, that you constantly need to be really keeping a close eye on those numbers, that as well as you're doing you know just the smallest switch, you know in their case, they you know opened up some schools and they maybe moved a little bit too fast and they're reopening and are now seeing their upticks. Um, I think the hope is that we're we have systems in place now between contact tracing and testing and just knowing better what to look for that we can identify these sort of spikes um, before they really blow up into into a whole new surge, which of course we we all well know is is what's possible with this virus.
2: Speaking with Aaron Alday, health reporter for the San Francisco Chronicle. In fact, you profile in one of your articles. Uh, Someone in San Francisco, Marcel Banks of Frisco Fried, uh, they're reopening indoor dining, but at a very slow and cautious pace. And give us a lay of the land of what's open and what we're waiting for still, if you would.
3: Right, I'll do the best I can. It's re- <laughs> it, it changes a lot. It's um it, it can be really confusing. Um, and it it actually varies. You know, as, as I think we're all realizing not only from county to county but sometimes from city to city and a lot of businesses as you pointed out with Mr. Banks he you know he's in San Francisco which is allowing indoor dining now at 25 percent capacity and when I spoke to him about a week ago he wasn't he wasn't ready yet personally and not just that he wasn't ready to like follow the guidelines and do what needed to be done he just kind of emotionally wasn't there yet he didn't feel like confident and that it was safe for his because it's, it's a family-run business and he just didn't feel like that was something he was ready to do yet. Uh, but I will say, you know, it's we're seeing a lot of things opening across the Bay Area that we hadn't before. Um, you know, as you pointed out, San Francisco has opened indoor dining for the first time since March. Um, that's huge. Um, we're seeing some places that have movie theaters open, which is really remarkable. We're seeing, you know, all of these sort of indoor services like hair salons, nail salons, barber shops, places like that, um, houses of worship are opening again um, in almost every every place now to, to some limited capacity at least. Um, so we're really seeing, a, you know, a lot of, of improvement there. And I think, you know, everybody's, what we're, what we're seeing reflected now is we have a much better sense of what's safe and or at least, you know, safer and what we can you know what what businesses can reopen with precautions and and probably be a reasonably decent place to hang out. So that's why we're seeing restaurants at limited capacity. We now have the data to show that if we take all these precautions that we really don't we haven't seen outbreaks in restaurants, you know as, as they as they reopen in places. Bars, on the other hand, we know that those are really risky. I don't know when we're getting at bars. Um, those are just, there's, there's too many kind of variables in there to to really make them safe to reopen at, at any time in the near future.
2: Well, when you talk about indoor dining, I can't help uh, but think about Santa Clara with uh, Sarah Cody as a health officer who's been pretty cautious, to put it mildly, and there uh, been, in fact, a lot of uh, criticism of how cautious she has been, and yet uh, she's calling for uh, opened uh, indoor dining again and uh, more comfortable apparently with it. But then on the other hand, I was looking at uh, Scott Morrow of San Mateo, Dr. Scott Morrow, San Mateo's co- county health officer, who says some of these uh, and other health officials think maybe the reopening plans are overly restrictive.
3: Yeah, that's definitely kind of a, a mood that's shifted over time, um, especially in the Bay Area. It's, it's been, you know, maybe remarkable is a little bit overstating it, but but there's definitely been some drift, um, whereas there was a lot of agreement um, back in March when we first were sheltering in place. There's there's much more sort of um, variance across counties as to what's appropriate. And some of that's subtle, like you were saying, Dr. Cody, really um, Dr. Golfax and Dr. Aragon in, in San Francisco, they've been pretty conservative too with the reopenings and Alameda County has been also Um, But, you know, some of the counties are are, are opening up a little faster now. They're feeling a little more confident. And then you have folks like Dr. Morrow in San Mateo County, who's really feeling like he thinks they can move a little bit faster than what the state's allowing. Um, And he's, you know, he's a little frustrated that, you know, certain places are, are still closed, certain, you know operations activities aren't open he was talking specifically about playgrounds for example he thought those should have been opened over the summer and he didn't understand why there'd been this really slow process he's like we haven't seen any outbreaks at playgrounds why are we why are we doing this to the kids um so you know there's just you get these differences in opinion now and it is really hard in a place like california to to, to balance that to figure out you know How do you make these decisions that are going to affect the entire state when there is a lot of difference of opinion, you know, just all across the board?
2: Yeah, we've been talking about things looking promising here, but that's not necessarily true for the rest of the state. Just wondering about uh, if you could talk about these uh, new rules that have gone into place. I mean, there's a newer blueprint for a safer economy that replaced the coronavirus watch list. But we've also got uh, a health equity metric, which actually means that. uh, um, counties are going to have to at least show some movement, particularly in neighborhoods and areas which are high disproportion numbers.
3: Correct. So there's now, essentially when they released their new tiered reopening plan, they were looking at, at exactly two numbers, two metrics to determine reopening. That was uh, the, the positivity rate, um, the, the positive um, test rate, and then the case rate, so cases per 100,000. Now they've added this third metric that they're looking at, which is essentially the positive, this positive test rate specific to disadvantaged neighborhoods. And what we've seen, I mean, this is, these, these positive test rates are kind of a, a marker of how much um, disease is, is moving around in the community. And what we've seen repeatedly is that disadvantaged communities and in particular communities of color have much higher positive test rates than the county as a whole. And that's a reflection of the fact that they have bared the burden of disease throughout this pandemic. And so this new metric basically requires that counties get that positive test rate for these disadvantaged communities pretty close to the 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 county wide average um, before they can open up so they can't the idea is as Dr. Cody explained to me this is sort of you know leave no one behind um, mantra you know we're not going to move forward until everybody in our in our in our county in our community is you know equally protected um, from from spread of disease.
2: And you mentioned the elementary schools. Let me go back to that with you for a moment, if I may, Aaron, because I know Berkeley is scheduled on October 15th to open up K through five and uh, have regular classes. uh, And that is if they follow a plan uh, along state rules. And in Alameda, they're opening schools. Uh, What do the state rules really dictate to them? And how many schools are opening throughout the Bay Area? So the
3: the state rules, you know, I mean, it's a lot of it is, is, Kind of what we've been hearing about for a while which is this kind of concept of of cohorting so keeping kids you know tightly controlled kind of groups um you know with the same kind of uh, groups of kids smaller groups of kids throughout the day um just keeping them you know spaced apart in classrooms um you know of course universal masking things like that so you know it's it's kind of the stuff we've all been hearing about for a while as for how many schools will be reopening. I think that's really hard to tell because it's, you know, it is up to the schools, even if, if, you know, a city or a County or a region allows it, you know, the schools might not feel like they're ready at the teachers, the, um, the uh, families might not feel that they're ready for it. So I think I think we're going to see a lot of schools waiting, kind of watching and waiting to see what happens at other places to see if we have any of these school associated outbreaks that everybody's worried about. I will say that, you know, so far it's actually looking pretty good. We've already had, you know, some private schools opening in California. So it's not like we don't have any data to work with at this point. And at least so far in California, we haven't seen any real outbreaks associated with schools. Um, Now, that doesn't mean, you know, they can't happen. Um, We haven't seen a big rollout yet. Um, And I think that that's going to be, you know, definitely the thing that everybody pays closest attention to over the coming weeks. But, you know, at this point, we're still in a kind of of wait and see mode with 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 schools.
2: Aaron, we got seconds left, but I want you to respond to a listener tweet, if you would. Uh, Listener writes, now that we have evidence that COVID is airborne, how can indoor dining, churches, salons or theaters be safe?
3: Well, I think that's just as more evidence that we need to use these kind of masking principles to protect ourselves. Um, obviously, you can't wear a mask when you're dining, but I think that you know the, the thinking is that as long as you have people spaced out, that you have that social distancing in place, um, and that people are masked when whenever they can, that that's enough to uh, to prevent that transmission.
2: Talking about Bay Area's progress in reopening with Aaron Alday, health reporter for the San Francisco Chronicle. And Aaron, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate your being.
3: Thank with you us. again.
2: We are coming up on a just 60-second break, and when we return, we're going to look at Proposition 20. We're going to continue our election coverage. That's a ballot initiative that really is going to roll back sentencing and parole changes that occurred as a result of a couple of propositions that were voted on in favor by voters. So we'll hear about that. We'll hear pro and con, and we'll hear from Marisa Lagos. Stay tuned. That's Up Ahead. I'm Michael Krasny.